Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I am Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Andrew's back this week. You, you missed out on Night at the Museum too. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry did you, to do that. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched okay. it. Okay. Any residual thoughts you want to hit us with just before we get started? <laughs> yeah, uh, Hank Azaria, anything with Hank Azaria is gold. Right. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that review. Alrighty. Um, so we're wrapping up Night at the Museum this week. Uh, this time we're talking about the third movie, Night at the Museum, colon, Secret of the Tomb. Came out in 2014. Again, bringing back our... Fi- what are you laughing at already? You just... You, Night at the Museum, colon. <laughs> That's the title. Well, people are going to think like a colon. They might. <laughs> oh, they might. Think uh, what they will. We brought back the same people. Oops. For the most part, Ben Stiller, Robin Williams, Owen Wilson, blah, blah, blah. You already know. Um, this is the third movie in the franchise where we last left off. Um, Larry had to basically save all of the exhibits from being replaced by technology. Right. And he did that. And so now we've moved on to The Secret of the Tomb where Larry, who is um, uh, back at being working at the museum. This time he's like kind of in charge of everything at night. Uh, notices that the exhibits start to have these weird problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt is starting to turn wax at weird times, blah, blah, um, And they find out the tablet, the Egyptian tablet that gives them life, is, is starting to decay. Mm-hmm. And they got to figure out why. So they travel to London uh, to figure out what happens, and we get a nice little send-off to the franchise. So, with that said, let's get right into it. One word to describe this movie Andrew, could you go first, since you weren't here last time? Fair. Fair. Okay. Fair. Fair. Interesting word. Uh, I'll go next. Unless you want to, Garrett. Have at it. Go to town. I'll say surplus. <laughs> Should I explain? Should I elaborate? A little. All right. I'll, I'll get... I'll, I'll elaborate <laughs> that's in a sec. An, that's an odd choice. Uh, let down. Yeah, I was going to say Disappointment. All right. Can so, I change mine real quick? <laughs> okay. No, you stick don't to your peer, own damn opinion. Don't let us peer pressure you into changing what you are. Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> That's weirder than surplus. No, I don't understand I'm, what's I'm, happening. Can I'm, we restart so, this this episode? <laughs> this is not working out for me. I'm not so liking it. So we got it. two negative words, one positive word, and one neutral one. I don't know what. And also one city. And a city. And here's why <laughs> I picked the word in New Mexico. Here's why I picked the word surplus. Because I was gonna say unnecessary and i was gonna say unneeded too but here's the thing there's a saving grace element of this movie all right and it's the very end which we will talk about at length there's a say then because of that i can't really like look at this movie and just go like oh it's totally unnecessary because it gave me a moment that's really special that i really i'm really glad we got to have so i can't put a negative spin on in my head so i would try to think what's the most positive word you can put for extra stuff you didn't need and it's surplus <laughs> there's okay. just in this movie a bunch of extra <clears throat> stuff that happens felt like leftover ideas that we didn't need to see in a movie but they went well we need to make a third one and here's a bunch of ideas we didn't use in the last couple times okay it's a surplus of ideas well, let's then jump into talking about some of the things we did like about the movie some favorite moments or quotes um, I do want to caution our audience and uh, and the participants of today's discussion that we will have a uh, a full on Robin Williams free for all. <laughs> so let's not all go. Robin Williams was our favorite. No. 
Okay. Just because we're gonna, we gotta talk. We've been, no. we've been avoiding it's the Robin the for room. the long time, just because we knew this would be the appropriate time to talk about him. Right. I mean, what other franchises has he been in? He doesn't do a lot, or he didn't. No. So favorite moments though that that are that made us happy that we did like before we get sad. <laughs> when uh, Ben Stiller and the lookalike were in the break room, mm. and they kept mimicking each other. I love that scene. That that was that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. And also when uh when Lancelot uh interrupts the stage play. And, <laughs> no, you I, liked that scene. I, <laughs> that's fine. No, I just it just it was just kind of I a had break. the same reaction when he was talking about the Neanderthal thing. <laughs> we'll get into that for me later, but that yeah. was my reaction to that. But that's okay. Let's see. Yeah, I think that's about it. There's there's not a lot in this movie I really liked. Yeah, someone else is going to have to go because i got to say I'm struggling. Garrett? Something I like. Yeah, I, liked, I mm. liked that we finally got to see more Ricky. Um, they let Ricky and Ben have a pretty good interaction, and I really liked seeing their back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a little bit in the first one, but it really wasn't much. They didn't give Ricky much to do, and you mentioned that, that he was just kind of a, a wasted character, and we talked that he could have been you know, taking his character and put it in with um, Carla Gugino's, I still don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what I'm sticking with, um, character, and it wouldn't have made any, any difference. But this time you really got to see their back and forth, and I just like the way Ricky plays that character, is he's so jumpy, and he has worked with Ben Stiller <laughs> this whole franchise as not just actors, but like Larry and I don't know what his name is in this I movie. I remember now, Mr. McPhee, I think? Yeah, let's go with that. Um, and there's a scene when, after the planetarium shenanigans happened and all the chaos happened, and Ricky, or Mr. McPhee is like, I lost my job, blah, 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 and Larry closes the door and he's just like, are you gonna bug me? (laughs) And just his, his jumpiness and fear of this guy he's known for so long. Yeah. And just their back and forth, I really enjoyed and I thought that was fun. I'm gonna say, it's a very short sequence, but I'm gonna say the uh, fight slash chase in the MC Escher painting was my favorite scene, just because it's a very visually fun and different thing. It, I that that was one of the extra ideas that I'm sure they probably came up with when making the first film that they just didn't think to do when they were filming or something. And it seems like the most worth it is this idea of going in one of those those paintings that you've seen them uh, all over. Uh, the internet or you've seen them in movies and stuff they're like the sideways stairs that also go like left and right and up and down and all over and just throwing them into that sequence and having robin williams and ben stiller and dan Stevens sort of like falling and jumping against like different mo- forms of gravity like they'll they're going up once the flight of stairs and they'll like fall down because all of a sudden they're like upside down mm-hmm. it was just a very interesting and, and, and cool visual effect shot so uh, that's the thing that stands out the most to me is that little sequence yeah. I also like the introduction to Lancelot. Um, I thought that scene was interesting because, you know, you're you, they have taken the tablet to London at this point in time. It's the first time the tablet has been there. The tablet is malfunctioning. Um, <clears throat> they run into a Triceratops, and Triceratops are usually considered, uh, by stereotype, obviously like a docile kind of a dinosaur because they don't eat meat. They were herbivores. And I think that if you were to pick who would be the nice one, the T-Rex or the Triceratops, most people would be like, oh, well, the Triceratops, obviously. So that's kind of the thinking that Larry has, and he tries to be like, 
oh, you're just a big, nice puppy, aren't you? Throws a bone at it, and then he's like, nope. He eats the bone, and then he chases him. And then Lancelot is in his night gear, and then there's a fight between Lancelot and the Triceratops, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't necessarily, I mean, again, I'm grasping at straws here to find things that I enjoyed, but I did make note that I thought that that fight scene and introduction to Lancelot was pretty neat. I, I liked Lancelot overall. I enjoyed Dan Stevens as an actor. I think he's pretty good and fun to watch in, in most of the roles I've seen him in. So I, I did think he, he was a nice addition to the film. Uh, the end. <laughs> what did, I yield what, the rest of my time. What did we think about them looping Dick Van Dyke back in? Um... I was okay with that. It was fine because I get what they were doing. They were trying to tie everything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I mean, it didn't serve purpose. No. Other no. than just being like, hey, remember them? This is the last movie and we're showing you them yeah. again. I mean, it was just kind of like a reason for them to, kinda, to know that they had to go to London. Like, I'm fine with why it happened. But honestly, when I saw him come on, on screen, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because he, he's a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. And I don't like this whole like happy jolly scene where they're meeting no he's the bad guy yeah and that bothered me in night of the museum when he like these three put him through hell and he's like well i forgive you yeah you're forgiven yeah pretty much like because they never went to jail they got jobs as uh whatever and then you know it it just kind of ended like a retirement and that's why i said that last week that's why i said that i thought the sec the sequel was uh an improvement because you had a villain that you had a like controversy and a antagonist whereas in the first one you kind of did but not really like they were the bad guys but really the main movie was him trying to figure out how to deal with this mystical nature andrew you were gonna say something no i was just gonna say it's it's very uh anticlimactic yeah yeah very anticlimactic about his about him and the other their other characters it's like here you are, here's the bad guys, there's no development, and you're gone. Yeah, I just yeah. don't... And that's it. I don't like the idea of, of like of giving me a bad guy and then having them come back in, in, in a positive light. Yeah, they were kind of like not like... That's not how the story works. They weren't really like themselves at all. It's kind of like... They could have... Maybe they could have washed some of that away by making it seem like some of that was the influence of the tablet being on them for so long. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. something like that and saying like once we got away from the tablet like we started to become more ourselves or something. Or if they had a, like a noble reason for trying to steal in the first one. Yeah. If yeah. they did not. Yeah. No, they had a very selfish reason. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time I'll never turn down seeing Dick Van Dyke in a movie. Oh sure. He's fantastic. Like his he, they, they just like cut to his scene he's like dancing along with these little old ladies to get your groove thing and he was like really I mean the guy is uh, the guy was born in 1925 and he's still, uh, he still got those moves. And this movie was this movie's five years old now. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's I, he, it's a delight to see him. But it is it was kind of a jarring thing, and something that some of the audience may have just genuinely forgotten by 2014 that they were in that first movie. Because I mean, it was a long time they weren't in the second one at all. No. Um... I did appreciate them trying to give a backstory to the tablet. <laughs> <laughs> trying to add that stuff on, but it just didn't like I don't know. It just doesn't connect as well. As I, I love it. To. We're trying to talk about our favorite moments from a movie that we none of us really liked. Yeah, yeah. it's just like ah, it's ah, just, I ah. mean, there are aspects, but yeah, mostly it's just like nothing nah. really brought me great joy. No. I mean, yeah, would you? Would you want to? I mean, we'll get that in that later. I won't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to watch it again. Yeah. 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 This this was the second time I've seen it. 
Um, <laughs> I guess let's talk about that. I guess let's talk about what we didn't like. That sounds like it's going to be the better discussion. Yeah, yeah talk about. Let's move straight into the so negative. For, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, that was it. I was sending oh. it off. Before we get into hot takes, though, let's just try to focus in on one scene. For one me, scene we didn't like? like one scene that just stands out is like the reason that this film went down a whole peg in your. For oh, me, it is one it's like scene. A, it's a race to the bottom. It's a it's it's the whole element with Pompeii. Oh yeah, just the entire Pompeii sequence. Yeah. is just yeah. like a, whose idea was this? This is an this is, this is yeah. like Ben Stiller like watched an Adam Sandler movie that weekend. Yeah, like, hey, let's do that. Yeah, they. I mean, they had that joke in the first one where the monkey peed on him, but like, this is just. That was bad. It was bad then, but like this is worse. Yeah. Like that monkey is just real. It's funny why to could, watch a monkey pee on someone once. Why yeah, couldn't the monkey just twice. pick him up? Yeah. Why would he keep peeing? Like yeah. yeah, he peed on the whole thing, <laughs> and then he peed on him again, and then they were like, "We must never speak of this." I, it just, was just too much. It's just stupid kid humor that yeah. they didn't need. And it the, is kid humor. And the it's other, true. It, but it like I feel like kids would been it, anything else would have been just as funny to them. We didn't have to have a monkey peeing on two people. That's not I don't know. But the the other problem yeah, is they like, could have had the monkey fart the lava cool. Yeah, yeah. and. The the other problem <laughs> is laughed immediately. <laughs> See, Andrew does like fart jokes though. <laughs> and fart jokes are funny. I mean, just generally the that funny that whole sequence, they land in jokes. Pompeii and then they're there for like I don't know, like twelve minutes of the movie longer than they need yeah. to be. They just keep cutting from that sequence. The whole that was other very things. long. Yeah. The whole aspect like, of them getting lost, I don't think, was necessary. It was just. Mm. It was just a reason to have Jed and uh, Jedediah and Octavius by themselves for a while, which is fine. They're really entertaining characters, but like they land in Pompeii and then they're like walking around. Let's cut and have a like an eighteen second conversation with Lancelot and Nick. That's unnecessary. Cut back to them in Pompeii, reading it wrong, and watching people run away and not understanding. Cut back to Larry and Lancelot doing something. Cut back to Pompeii again, and then this will be the final time where they realize they're in Pompeii. And then we're going to go and do something else for another eight minutes. And then we'll finally come back to them running from lava. It's like it takes forever, that whole sequence, mm-hmm. when it really the whole thing could have been done in like seven minutes. Just like half the movie is spent with Pompeii just to build up to this pee joke. Was this the same monkey that was Annie's boobs in Community? Do you remember? I feel like we looked it up. Uh, we did look that up. And this is a very specific conversation. I feel, like very Josh, specific I feel like Josh and me are the only it, ones that understand. She did, this monkey, uh, Crystal, okay. did did have a role in Community. Okay. So, in Community, this monkey also made several appearances in uh, Air Ducts. And I, I just think it was interesting. I was watching it and I went, pretty sure this monkey was Annie's boobs in Community. <laughs> so, like, that whole storyline of that you monkey. Is, the monkey? Yeah. yeah. That whole storyline is basically, yeah. The, the whole storyline is basically that monkey's arc in community. Just living in air ducts, causing chaos. He didn't pee on anybody in community, but it lived in air ducts and caused chaos. He may have peed on King Ken Jong. Who knows? I don't. I don't. That's for sure. Yeah. Did you? Um, do you have a least favorite scene? Garrett. I'm, uh, yeah, all of it. No, the Pompeii thing is the one that I was going to say. It's really. Yeah. It's just terrible. I also thought it was dumb that they brought back the flashlight foo. Like, he fights that snake demon with that damn flashlight. And, like, I, I mentioned again last week that the flashlight had a big part in in the second movie. And I don't understand why it was dumb then and they brought it back. 
and I just I just don't get it. I think the in the second one it's dumb for the sake of like they know it's dumb, and in this one they bring it back and they make it more serious. Like I think they realize how silly it is in that I, second one, and, and, I, one and I, cool and tries to make it cool. I equated back to the monkey slap fight. Because, like, I think that people thought it was funny in the second one, and so they were like, let's bring it back for the third one, where he's just, like, really good with a flashlight. Ha, 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 ha. And they failed. I do think this movie is, like, 75% callbacks that no one asked for. Yeah. Um, and action sequences that nobody needed. I think that's the, my main... If I had to identify a core problem with this movie, is that there's not... It's very light on story and heavy on just like action sequences Mm. my least favorite scene i had to think about it for a while and then i remembered it's obvious because uh it's the it's the very end when uh they're having the stupid party again (laughs) and and rebel wilson's character sees neanderthal larry and they have a moment of connection and i know it's my least favorite scene because that's where i turned the movie off i didn't even wait for the credits and when it's over here i'm done bye i'm not oh, even gonna nope man. you didn't even watch the, didn't the even lift? Watch, i don't nope didn't watch the credits oh. i was too done with this movie to see them did they embrace yeah he yes. lifts her up see he lifts her up like off. dirty dancing i went it's been long enough i'm out they do a dirty dancing sequence. Really? And then, and then it pans out to the outside, and Larry's watching the party from the outside, I'm like really happy. Glad I didn't stick with it. <laughs> there's a post credit scene, or there's a mid credit scene too, but I don't remember what it was. It was just them like dancing. Oh yeah, as, just more and, dancing. Like, yeah, it was just them having fun and like doing a little dance party. That's right. Ricky Gervais's character learns about the tablet and the magic. Um, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Andrew, least favorite scene? You know, honestly, the the last five minutes of it. Okay. Like the last five, you because know, that the whole the whole party the whole party scene was just kind of an, uh, was unnecessary. Um, other than the other two scenes that I said that I liked, um, I don't really have a. Not I, much stands out. Not much stands out from this. This is not as good. Yeah, in almost every way. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> hot it takes? sucks ass. Hot Please tell me somebody's got some funny hot takes. I guess. Fuck. Um, Neanderthal Larry. You really hate I hate I hate it so much. I truly loathe it. The first like immediately, this was the note that I made as soon as they showed him. The new Neanderthal looks like Larry and he thinks he's his data. Ha ha sarcasm. I hate it so I hate every aspect of it. There's nothing funny about it. And and I think that's why it bugs me so much is this movie has been pretty funny. Like this whole franchise has been solid. And they just kept doing stupid things. There was no need for any of that character to arrive. And the fact that they brought it over to London was a whole aspect of like grasping for straws at things we think were funny. It wasn't going with things that we know that have worked throughout this franchise. It's like what's at the bottom of this barrel of stupidity and it was really like an like an early 2000s adam sandler movie and that's not a compliment yeah it, 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 to, to, my hot take i already kind of illustrated a little bit it just feels like leftover ideas it felt like they were like well we didn't do like a buzz Lightyear character who doesn't realize he's a mannequin let's do that let's do a you know let's do uh let's just do more shots of people walking through a museum with living objects in it like that was really cool the first time, and it was fairly cool the second time because they added the idea of the paintings. But like by the third time, it's just kind of like, okay, this is yeah, this is cool, but we've seen this. Do something either really cool and unique, or 
or you know or subvert those expectations that we have and it doesn't really do that it just gives you you know lancelot as played by buzz lightyear and a lot of a lot of exposition on what this tablet is because they go and they meet uh, uh akman ra's parents who are played by ben kingsley and another person <laughs> yeah and ben kingsley was they a just shock. give you some they give you some information we learned that uh dick van dyke's character was on an expedition that found the tablet when he was 12 and like they just give you all this story that like we didn't really ask for and it's interesting in a way but it's just like that's most of the movie is that and this mannequin having an identity crisis and i feel like they don't do either of those that well so like even if if like the two main things you're trying to convince me of for this movie to exist aren't done well it really is hanging on to nothing and uh and Rebel Wilson just wasn't didn't just I, she was I, I feel like she did a good job but I don't feel like this was her best outing. I want to point something out that you said that Lancelot was played by Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it? Because that's, that's basically the concept. It's okay. like he doesn't get that he's right, a. He doesn't realize he's he a, doesn't realize he's a mannequin, right? Which is Buzz oh, Lightyear in the first okay. movie. Is he doesn't really he realize knows he's a that toy. Dan Stevens wasn't Buzz Lightyear. Yes. <laughs> Can you cut that in editing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> yeah, no, I. That's what, I just mean that he's playing the same basic character, and they're like, "You are a mannequin." And he's like, "I don't get it." He doesn't like. It's not until like his nose starts melting that he starts to think, "Oh, maybe I'm not real." I did think that that did kind of freak me out whenever they tried to correct his nose. Yeah, it was a creepy look. It like there's just like a hole in his face, like I, a nose. I w- I, no, I mean like where no. Yeah, you're pointing to the hole in your nose. <laughs> You know, I there's two of them. I thought, man, I was... I hated the CGI in this movie. Why'd they need to... Why? I thought the Constellation stuff was kind of cool at the beginning, but it was like... But it was... like I, I didn't really understand the concept. Like, the, the, the first movie is pretty low on CGI in comparison. Mm. You don't need it. No. I realized... I had a moment where I realized I had checked out of the movie mentally... When I like shook my head and started paying attention again and realized he was just like fighting with a bunch of giant snakes. Mm-hmm. I, went, I don't care about this. I don't care about anything that's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I really this is, didn't this has care. No purpose to the story. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there was really like again There's no story. Comparing it to the second one, the second one advanced it. <clears throat> it had a storyline. This one had a storyline, but it just didn't do anything. It was just unnecessary. Trying to tie up everything. And bring it to an end. And the story itself was just really uninteresting. I couldn't keep my attention going. Um, I usually take notes throughout the movie. And, like, I've usually, you know, okay, this is a a segment that I want to talk about. And I'll, like, bold it and underline it so it draws my attention. Like, I've got four things and most of it's just, like, gibberish notes that I'm like, okay, where was that one? I, I just don't remember. Yeah. It's, um, it's like they got, it's like they had one simple mission. Take this tablet to the Egyptian section, find out what's wrong with it, and fix it. But they keep getting waylaid by, like, really mundane gags that they they feel like they had to do. It's like this movie could have, I don't know, it just feels like it could have been simpler, and and it would have been a lot more fun. Um, David's lukewarm take from episode one of The Night in the Museum comes back, because there's even more mess in this one. They're smashing crap left and right. They break a massive wooden door. across continents this time. Yeah, like, who... And there's no night guard other than Rebel well, Wilson. I'm Rebel Wilson's the only into... night guard, and she sits outside. Rebel Wilson 
is the only night guard, as shitty as she is in this movie, that has done her fucking job this entire <laughs> franchise. She caught someone doing something they're not supposed to be doing. She's the only one who's done her job. Sure. She's bad at it, but she did it, damn it. Yeah. She imprisoned them. Yeah. She was like, this doesn't look right. You seem suspicious. You're not supposed to be here. I'm going to go fix this problem. Exactly. She's the only one that has done her job. Good for her. As best she can. <laughs> not before a Tyrannosaur Shrex, or excuse me, a Triceratops destroys a massive glass case full of artifacts and then a giant wooden door. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I went, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. And then they smashed, like, what has to be a 20 foot door. And I went, oh, that's like $10,000 to replace. Yeah. This is a lot of collateral damage. Maybe not as much as they had at the museum. But man, and then they disrupt a play. Well, so okay, so <laughs> go into go into that. Do you have something for that? I do. Have go ahead, because I've already talked. Because the only thing I was going to say was was like, some dude walks it. If some dude walked on a stage, where the fuck is the security? <laughs> yeah, with a like, sword. Where, where was everybody? Just like saying, this <laughs> yeah. is not normal. Where's the security? <laughs> where's the stage manager? Where's anyone like, in the wings? I yeah. guarantee you. Even at a school, yeah. people be rushing We've up there. We've been in a play like, a time or two. Yeah. You do not just walk onto the stage. Yeah. No, um, especially one with you, Jackman. Even on. if you're in, a, even if you're in a, a costume that looks like you could be in the play, people would go, "You're not in the play." Like you got, you can't be, be back here. No, you, what are you doing? Walk just walking up onto the stage. You can't do that. We've already seen Lancelot. You're not in the scene, man. This is also going to <laughs> what I have yelled at every time about this movie. This is the first time that we have seen anyone involved like or anyone not involved in the messes going on in the museums this is the first time we've seen any human life after dark in any of these movies yeah like all of again i I go back to well uh the second one where the giant abraham lincoln is walking around washington fucking (laughs) dc and no one sees it yeah. And then you go to London in a play and Lancelot's there and then there are humans. Like I just yeah. don't Well they And they had that too with the big lions outside Trafalgar Square coming to life and people being like freaked out by that and they like distract them with a flashlight. I'd piss my pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would you do? And so there were like people there and I'm like, how are they gonna explain that? And then go to special effects. That's how they've done it in all the movies before. And then Yeah, they go on a play and like a bunch of people just rush all rush across the stage and nobody's stopping them. Hugh Jackman and Alice Eve That's, are just kind of like, what's going on, man? This is weird. Yeah, it's very curious. casual. Yeah. That's part of the problem that I go back to with what I talked about in our last episode, about how this move, these movies really only work when you keep them in the environment they belong in. The first one works so well because they mostly stay in the museum. Mm-hmm. But when they do leave the museum at night and run around everywhere, there is at least news cameras that catch them. Yeah. They're on the news... There's footage, it's believed to be a stunt, whatever, we get that. But it worked because they were mostly like animals, or people in costumes. And now we've got statues yeah. mm-hmm. who who couldn't possibly be a human in a costume. Right. You could suspend your disbelief a little bit to, to like factor into the fact that they thought the first one was a publicity stunt. But you can't do that anymore by the third one. Yeah. They went too big and when they needed to stay small. Yeah, there was like it was too tempting the idea of making this uh, cat video joke that they yeah. wanted to make that they couldn't just run past some they couldn't just they go oh maybe he doesn't run past a bunch of giant lion statues. 
I also had a problem with the timeline. Um, so they're in London. Andrew, you've flown to London. How long is that flight? It is a six-hour flight. Okay. Don't forget about the time delay. Right, yeah, and the time delay. So, like, they're in London for a good amount of time. Like, I don't know how long it is, but, like, a lot of shit goes down, and they're yeah, over there a lot of time. Down. Somehow, they're able to get the whole lot of people that they brought over from London back in the box, checked on a plane, and back into New York before the sun comes up in New York. I had a problem with that. And also, the magic tablet that gave them life was left in London, so why are they still magic? And why are the exhibits that were not... I'll I'll give you that they were uh, by the tablet when it became active. And that it won't wear off until the sun comes up. Okay. Why are all the exhibits in the New York Museum alive? I'm trying to remember if they all were. I think they were. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also am struggling to remember. Yeah, if yeah they like were. maybe yeah. they weren't. Maybe it was just, those, just those ones. Those five or six. But no, that, still, the the idea of them being able to get from London based on how much time that how long they were there, yeah. get on a plane, fly back, and the sun not be up in America if is, the, is if a struggle the only, plus for me. If they left by say 3 a.m. London time, that would be like 9 p.m. Yeah, New York time. Maybe. I mean, they'd still. So I guess it's plausible. They'd get back and it would yeah, still yeah. lose six hours. It'd still be night. It's game. plausible, but, but I. Mm-mm. But it's really iffy. You're essentially traveling with the with the. Movie you have right to have no of, delays, no anything yeah. go wrong, and when you no. Yeah, and that's all depending on if they like. I'm giving them yeah. the, the the benefit of leaving as late as they could from London to arrive as early as possible. Like, if they left, I guess if they left. Any earlier, then it'd be like 6 p.m. in New York or 7 p.m. in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's, it, it, sun's down, but you're really you're really pushing it. Yeah. No, I, I I was thinking about that, but like it takes takes at least two hours to go through customs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and we're talking about both sides here. Right. So like that's and that's, that's a thing that they would definitely check. Right that's a big box of very expensive things. Yeah. And considering your flight's not delayed, then again, it's from it's from. New York to London, so it could be, it could be shorter. Yeah. I don't know. This is like a whole. Right. Legi- and we're also talking about this is like an like muse- official museum business. Like they're not going to wait in the same lines that people wait in. That's probably they probably not. get to it's, go straight to being checked. And it's Maybe. also probably probably like I mean, it still take a while. But. Like I don't know, f- like freight planes. Yeah. Who knows? We don't have you know. But these are, with all the exhibits waiting through security. Yeah. Like, these, he's not doing that. These like, little, not, yeah. These little details wouldn't be so bad if the movie was just is just more enjoyable. Like we talked about last time with the second one, that there's a lot of like nagging little little things like that, like no night guards in the Smithsonian. But the movie was fun, so it's kind of like still enjoy the movie. I don't, I just don't. There's just something about this I just don't fully enjoy. That's kind of why. I, that's why I want to loop back. It to makes what these I say. problems more glaring. Like like the movie's fair mm-hmm. because. It's just not like yeah. There's logistical issues here that you know we've kind of divulged a little bit, but all in all, it's I a bad movie. It's <laughs> I wouldn't really care for it. Yeah, it's not a good movie. No, it's not a good movie. Not a good movie, there, Ace. Any other hot takes? I don't have any other hot takes. I have one other nice thing to say. No, say the nice thing. Man. So before we get to the really, I feel like the part that we've been putting off for a little while. I did think that when the um. So when the like towards the final moments when the tablet was like almost completely done for, 
and all the characters are starting to freeze and turn to wax and that that part i felt like was really well done of them like freezing in place and their arms you know like i was getting genuinely a little bit concerned especially watching like dexter sort of like fade off and watching robin williams play himself like freeze up and Mm -hmm. like i thought that was actually and and lancelot kind of struggling to understand exactly what's happening to him that part i felt like was kind of well done and i was getting kind of genuinely sad watching essentially these characters you know die and as far as they're concerned um full well knowing they were going to get out of the situation but it was like i thought that was well done uh i remembered one more hot take i have um i thought it was really crappy (laughs) that they had him leave the tablet in london yeah after he put his life on hold and sold his business for them and they're just like man leave it it belongs here yeah. In what situation does it belong here? Yeah. Because remember, when the tablet is not with them, they're just inanimate objects. Yeah. They're not like missing anything. No. They're not real. So he just lets them kind of throw away everything that he'd he'd earned over the years. Yeah. Because without without the exhibits being alive, I don't know that he cares about that job. Not as much. The job was the people. Right. And now he just guards a museum that's empty all night. That's why Mm. why he stops. And he sold what you would assume to be like a multi-million dollar invention company for them. I was was a little peeved by it. He seems to... They did did Larry Dirty. He seems to correct himself somewhat because he does quit the job. True. He he doesn't... Like, uh, the way that um, Ricky Gervais explains it at the very end is like, yeah, Larry left like three years ago to go on to... And now he's like a teacher. Which is out kind of out of nowhere. Just becomes a teacher, and he's fine with his life. And some other somebody else is probably doing this night guard thing. And, and there was kind of a moment where I thought, oh, did were they trying to leave this for maybe like a Rebel Wilson sequel of like giving like putting the I tablet in London and leaving it for her and like you know because he says like, hey, this job's gonna be the best job ever tomorrow night or something like that. And I was like, okay, maybe they were trying to leave a window open there for that. Um, but then it didn't really seem like it the way they actually went ahead and ended it. Um, plus, she's way too into uh, one of the exhibits. To well, see, that's why I thought they may <laughs> have done the that. Same. Because the the way the the movie should have ended with Larry saying goodbye to everybody, mm. it should not have ended with Rebel Wilson having a dance party. No, that was that cheapened <laughs> I, the emotional impact no. of the goodbyes. I push back only only in a sense as I think that it was nice that they gave Ricky's character the opportunity to see that magic. Yeah, because he's such a stiff, gruff doesn't believe anything and and so he finally sees this thing that he loves just as much as Larry and he gets to see it come to life. And so that was the only aspect of that whole sequence that I enjoyed was getting the was for his character getting the opportunity to see that and kind of feel that because he is a strange character and has a strange personality but he truly does love the museum just as much as Larry and and so for him to have that experience i thought was a nice gift to him but other than that that's the only part of that aspect of the ending that i enjoyed yeah well the only part of the aspect the ending i enjoyed where and i feel like we should probably talk about it now is robin williams let's talk about robin williams uh this was the 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 first film uh starring robin that came out after his death he, he died in, I believe, July 2014. This mm-hmm. movie came out. December no, 2014. December yeah. 2014? No, it, actually, it was August. 
I think it was August. He died he in, died August. in August. August. Movie came out in December. Movie came out in December. Yeah. Let's see. So we were. All, oh, so, so everything we said was wrong. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Di- he he passed away in August 2014. The movie was released in December. So this was the first one to come out since he died. Uh, he had a very tragic death. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, committed suicide. Sadly, we then learned that uh, it was the result of some really terrible brain diseases he had a lot of mental illness a lot of Louis body dementia Louis body dementia uh he had early signs of alzheimer's i believe Uh, parkinson's 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 yes uh so he was really falling apart and we we learned all that well after the fact so this movie took kind of a, a little bit of a special moment at the end or it became more special yeah uh, to see Robin's character of Teddy Roosevelt saying goodbye to Larry mm-hmm. and the franchise as a whole. You know, that scene would have been there whether he lived or died, but it definitely was harder since he died. Because it, it almost feels like he's speaking to the audience in the moment. Yeah, he kind of uh, His fans and people who watched his movies, these movies, and any anything he's ever done... It feels like knowing that he died when you're going to watch that movie, you're watching him in a different way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's, you know, he says the words farewell, and then he gives us one kind of last laugh because he spooks Larry one more time. Just yells, bully, at him one more time and spooks him, and it's kind of like one last laugh for Robin in that moment. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a while, and it still kind of choked me up this last time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like all of the, the context that goes around that scene in this movie, and it's the one reason because that and it has nothing to do with the film. But I can't look at this film in a totally negative light because of that. It's because it is a very special moment that we didn't really get with the other films that would come out after his death. Well, and it it uh, gives. It's like a, an emotional connection because Ben Stiller's character, uh, Larry's saying goodbye to Teddy, but like, as an audience member, you're knowing what the situation is, and it's an opportunity for us to say goodbye to Robin Williams because the the speech that Larry gives to te- to Teddy is something that you would say to someone that was going to pass away, that you knew was going to pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, you know... Uh, it's it's hard to say goodbye. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, and he just kind of smiles and is like, "How exciting!" Mm-hmm. and and that part got me. This is the first time I've seen this movie. I couldn't, I could not mentally handle going to see this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Williams' death is something that I still struggle with because it's it's uh it's tough. I, we have a biography out that I brought out that I bought, uh, have not been able to crack it. At all, it just sits on my bookshelf because I, I cannot bring myself to do it. Um, so this was a tough watch, and it was the first time I'd watched it since he has passed. So that was that was fun. The how exciting line is really good. Yeah, yeah. His work in this franchise is just really solid, um, and I think it's even more impressive when you understand the fact that when they filmed Secret of the Tomb. He was not well. You you wouldn't know it as a as a moviegoer. No. But after you f- hear from the people who worked with him, see interviews. Um, there's a book. There's a, there's a chapter, a section in there where you yeah. said that some was it his wife? No. 
Oh, somebody mm. said that it was like a mistake that he shouldn't have done it because he was so yeah. unwell. In the the Robin biography by David Scoff, there's a, there's a section in there where yeah, they talk to his makeup artist mm. who said that um he would come to her basically every night sobbing after shooting because he didn't uh, he just wasn't well. He couldn't remember his lines anymore. His memory was failing him. He had suffered severe weight loss. He was essentially uh, gone into paranoia. He didn't think he could be funny anymore. She talked about how she recommended him. This was they were filming in Vancouver. Go out to a nightclub. Go to a comedy club. Do a set. Make people laugh. You'll see that you're wrong. People still love you. You're funny. And he was like, I can't do it. I can't. I don't know how to do that. So, um, I got thrown off. <laughs> yeah. It, they say, Andrew. They had to say this franchise came at like the last, it was kind of like the last real series of films he did that really kind of had like a larger impact. Because he did a lot of other films during this time period, but these are kind of the most well known of this time period. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was the the really the first um, big blockbuster movie he'd done probably since the last Night's Museum film, mm. and he didn't do a lot of movies with sequels, especially late in his life. He wasn't doing a lot of big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Andrew, yeah, that's a that's a that's a Robin. I mean, no, he pretty much said it. Like I, when he, when the last thing he says. It, it, says to Ben Stiller's character. What is Ben Stiller's character? Larry. Larry! Larry. Uh, the last thing he says to Larry, like right before he said, because Larry just says, I don't know how. And Teddy Roosevelt just says, how exciting. I thought that was a great send-off. Mm-hmm. I love how that just, I love how that just, you know, just cements him. And it's a, it's a positive message. Uh... It it makes me sad. It really does. Because, like, when I finished this movie up, I I, I honestly kind of felt like crying. Because it's like, man, that's, that's the legacy he's going to leave. And I and I love it, and I hate it. Not at the museum is the legacy he's going to leave? Hold on. Hold on. I'm talking <laughs> just about... Just come over there and slap you. I'm, I'm talking about, like, just him in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's his goodbye, is it? Yeah. That's pretty it's, much... I mean, that's yes, pretty he much has his, other films after but that's his goodbye that yeah. is his goodbye as and an that's, actor that's his i mean that's yeah <clears throat> but anyway the thing is is that like it, it, it i i have i'm having trouble coming up with the words because i really still don't know how to feel about it it's just such a weird emotion yeah no yeah, I agree. Am, I, am i wrong in thinking that no i agreed because it's a it's a it's a weird bittersweet moment because the movie's not that great but i mean nothing <laughs> robin williams does is is bad right like Robin Williams, if anything, is one of the more most enjoyable parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's one of the most enjoyable parts of all three movies of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's he's a uh, you know I don't know what I don't know if the movie is as good without without his Teddy Roosevelt. Any of the movies? No, yeah, I think if he's a such a good right hand man kind of mentor to to Larry in the first one, it's hard to see anyone else doing that. It, it's so good with impressions, yeah. But doing an impression that also has heart, yeah. We may never have quite another actor like Robin Williams again. I kind of just hope somebody not. who can convey um, humor, 
but in such a I don't know real way like in a real like he seems like he's just so heartfelt and he yeah. can convey that feel him in goodwill hunting oh my god him in uh you know I was I was, I was really gonna say like dramatic turns are, are really powerful yeah the bird cage even like even the little things like the movie like okay seriously so a movie that didn't do well and a lot of people don't necessarily care for it but a movie like a movie like Jack right where he's oh, playing this Jack like large my heart. man kid and he's like so sweet in it patch adams he's so sweet in it oh, man. he's just got that ability to be both funny and dramatic and you believe it both times like there's no forcing it with robin williams as much as as much as like if you've ever watched his stand-up comedy he like he's forcing everything like he's going like like he takes every joke as far as he can take it, right? Mm-hmm. And in his performance, it's the same way. Like he holds nothing back, and it just seems effortless. And that was this. That was this series of films. Like he's such a heart. He's playing a like a heartfelt mentor, and it just feels like that. In when he's in the first movie, when he's playing afraid of talking to Sacagawea, it just feels so natural. I don't know. It's it. It's hard to even think of somebody who's in the same yeah. category as a Robin Williams. Well, I just. Uh... There's two movies that come to mind uh, when I think about Robin Williams, especially just right now, and it's a uh, Dead Poet Society mm-hmm. and uh, Jumanji. Yeah, I mean, like, like Jumanji, I feel like I think is probably my favorite Robin Williams movie because it, Jumanji is just Jumanji is just so it's just so good, but it just makes you feel really sad for him because one, he lost his parents. And he's in a completely different time, and he's again. It's it's just like a survival movie, but at the same time, it's just if that's just him. He's just a he's just a, a giant kid. Yeah, he never grew up. He nope. grew up in a jungle. No. Boy, I tell you what, I'm looking at a list of Rob Williams films right now, and there was just a time period where he was. Uh, he made. I I don't know how he probably didn't get paid as much, but he was just like, he was like the rock of the '90s. Like he was he, just, yeah, he was in everything. He was just a, he, he just had like, as far as I'm concerned, from my time period, is it from being a kid? This was like every great film I ever watched as a kid. You're looking at like Hook, yeah, Aladdin, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji, Jack, uh, you know, Flubber, Goodwill Hunting. All these came out within like an eight year period. Like just fantastic. And he, and, and, Flubber. you know, it, even the ones that are like could be considered dumb or bad movies, like Robin Williams, is just a special talent. Yep. Okay, so now let's answer kind of the final question of the night: uh, Was this movie necessary? Should it have been made? And what consequences did it have on the film or on the franchise? I guess. Andrew. Uh, I feel like this movie's pretty forgettable. I mean, other than if it's pretty forgettable, I I really don't think it should have been made at all. Yeah, I gotta say, the movie relies heavily on the legacy of Robin Williams, and if it weren't for his death, this movie would probably not mean anything to anybody. Yeah. It's pretty mm, hummo after that. No, it's worse than hummo. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I uh, I also think, uh, again, I don't know. I think that it warranted a sequel after the second one. I just think that this was a bad choice. Yeah, um, it warranted a different sequel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something else should have been made. Right. Not this. Yeah. They they had done so well with two. And 
for this to be the final one they chose to go with is uh, it, sad. It's interesting to consider that this is the only one not written by Thomas Lennon and his uh, partner. Oh, like, I didn't realize that. That could make did, a big difference. They had new writers for this one. Oh, that was dumb. Well, no wonder it's bad then. I don't know I why know we did either. I don't know why we didn't bring that up earlier. That fact I didn't think about it till just now. I'd forgotten about that I until what this the moment. Story behind that is. But uh, yeah, different writers for this one. Same director. Um, mostly same cast. New writers. Um, I'll talk about it from a financial standpoint, and then I'll I'll lend that into um, the box office stats. Yeah, is from a, from a from a financial standpoint. No, they shouldn't have made a sequel to this. The second one did thirty percent worse than the first one. Okay, now maybe they thought, hey, let's learn our lesson and put it in December, release it in at the holiday season again, and it'll do better, like the first one did, because the first one way overperformed, and this one way underperformed compared to that last one because they released it in May. Um, but it did not do better. In fact, uh, Seeker of the Tomb opened on December 19th, the weekend of December 19th, and uh, would make uh, $177 million United States. That's... Oh, I'm sorry. Whoops. That's the wrong... That's bad. Um, excuse me. That's last week's show. Here's my notes for this week. This one made $113 million at the box office in 2014. It added another $249 million overseas um, to bring its worldwide total to $363 million. Um, The opening uh, weekend was nothing too special. It opened to an unimpressive $17 million um, in the number two spot, which isn't great. Now, its second weekend, it would make a little bit of headroom. It it got $20 million week two, and it got $14 million week three, so it's for opening month, actually end up being okay, thanks to a little bit of the holiday boost. But it just didn't have the steam to keep going, and as I said, uh, barely finished over $100 million. It just didn't have it. The competition was fairly tough for it, and it just couldn't hold out. Other movies in the top ten that weekend include The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, um, which opened to $54 million. Um, that was its opening weekend. Like I said, A Secret of the Tomb was number two. Uh, 2014's remake of Annie with Willow Smith uh, was number three with a $15 million haul. Exodus Gods and Kings made $8 million that weekend. Hunger Games uh, Mockingjay Part 1 was in week five and finished in the number five spot. Uh, Wild, uh, an animated film, finished uh, had $4 million um, in its third week, which was a big step up. It, um, they expanded the release, date, the, release um, uh, the amount of theaters for that and it made more money. Big Hero 6 was uh, towards the end of its run, finishing in at number 7. At number 8, Top 5 with Chris Rock. Number 9 was a film called PK. And at number 10, The Penguins of Madagascar. Wow, that's a bad year. What a bad year. What a bad holiday. Oh, okay, bad week. It's a bad holiday weekend. It's a bad year, too. I don't know. I'd have to look and see what followed up the next weekend. Yeah, I was just looking and saw that that 2014 was the last year that Disney didn't have the number one highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, a really surprise film was the number one movie in 2014. American Sniper. American Sniper, which opened in January. So think about that. A movie that opened in January was the number one film all the way through the year. Wow. Best Picture nominee and everything. And when you look at the... Like, Disney had good, fairly good movies come out that year. That was the year Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Yeah. Yeah, Guardians just didn't pull it in. I don't know. So uh, there were, in total, for that weekend, three sequels. We're a sequels podcast. Uh, The... 
final resting place for Secret of the Tomb is number 27 for the year of 2014. As we mentioned, American Sniper oh, number one. That's bad. It is the 11th highest grossing movie for Ben Stiller. We had an extended conversation about Ben Stiller's uh, film uh, film gross last we week. Did. Just very quickly, what, what do you think his highest grossing film is? I would say probably... Probably the first night of the museum. No. It's close. That's two number more two. guesses. You get three guesses. That's number two. Mm, meet the Fockers? He yeah, that's it. You wow. nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. We, we went a lot longer. His top yeah. three well, movies. No, are, we, we got... It, it, we it had, and we had to look it up. He did it off the top of it. We're idiots. That's his we're top. Idiots. His top three films are basically his own, his main three franchises. Night at the Museum, Meet the Fockers, and Madagascar. Right. So oh, I totally forgot about Madagascar. Madagascar, and then like Zoolander is That's his other one, but that didn't do well at all. I didn't even so, know he was in it. It's the number two movie for Dan Stevens' career. Can you guys guess his other one? Beauty and, and the, the Beast. Beast. Indeed. No, that one. So yes, I've never uh, seen still, it. You still need to watch it though. Yeah, well, I did okay. not give him any money. It's good though. It's all right. It's, so, it's good. So the so yes, uh, in, isn't it the in, same as a cartoon? No, it has different. No. It has some new songs. I'll tell you what, it's okay. more comparable to the Broadway play. Also, Emma Watson. I do like her. Um, How can you say no? Any, anyhow. <laughs> anyway, just cut that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in comparison to the first two films, it's a real diminishing returns situation here, where the movie made less, and I would not be surprised if that's reflected in the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah. Josh is running the game this week. I get to play. Oh, Andrew I missed forgot. his win. Yeah, you missed your opportunity, Slacker. Did you already looked at the score? Oh, shit balls. You'll never win You already game. looked at the score, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> he forgot. I'm willing to let yeah, it. Yeah, we got out. all thrown off, so it don't matter. Oh. I'm, I won last time, so I'm playing this time. Um, While I'm pulling it up, do you guys want to guess whether you think it's fresh or rotten? It's definitely rotten. rotten. <laughs> Rotten as fuck. 100% rotten. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's definitely rotten as fuck. It's definitely rotten by the tomato meter. And probably, okay. Okay. I bet you, okay. I bet you it's got a knocked over popcorn box, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, here, here's the, well, no. I, you guess Let first, guess. and then I read. The you, I'll guess first. Okay. I'm going to say 38%. Okay, 38. I was going to go with the 30s, too, but, like, the other two were so close that I'm going to start at 40 I'm gonna go with 25. Oh my! 25, 40, and what were you? 38. 38, 40, 25. Out of curiosity, what was number two? 44. Yeah, it was Which one was better than one the first one. Okay. Uh, with, while not without its moments, Night at the Museum: Secret of the Tomb is a less than inspired send-off for the trilogy. Oh dang! That was short and sweet and to the point. Now. I'm not looking. Would it shock you all to learn that this movie has the highest score of the three? Oh. That would shock me. That does shock me. <laughs> it, you are all right that it is rotten, though. Okay. This movie That's not saying much. has 47%. Oh. Garrett wins. Damn. But still by, off by seven points. Damn. I would have gone to 46, I think. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I'm surprised. This movie sucks, man. It's yeah, totally it's really ass. bad. What the hell? I don't know. I don't know. What's how the audience better score? than the other two? What's the audience score? Um, this should be the bottom of the other three. It's higher than that. No. Y'all want to? Is it higher one? than? No. Is it sixty-four percent? Is it in, it's still yeah. rotten? Okay, still so rotten. is it fifty-two? Forty-nine percent. 
50. Andrew wins. It's 57. That's higher than two. Never going to win yeah. this game. Yeah. It may, be, it may be the Robin Williams effect, honestly. It could people. be. I honestly think it is the Robin Williams effect. kind of has to be. It's the only thing this movie has this going for it that the other two don't. Yeah. That's, that, it's, that's surprising on all counts. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's sad. I don't like that. Uh, New York Magazine said, It's all dumb, but fun. And that's a positive review. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right, well. A couple, uh, couple of the uh, rotten pull quotes. Um, the exhibits in This Night at the Museum may still come to life nightly, but their latest movie stays uh, stubbornly inert. <laughs> I feel like sometimes people just love to come up with these creative ways to yeah. slam the movie. Yeah. They're critics. That's what they do. This movie about making food uh, was not uh, a chef standard. <laughs> Cineview says, not only are a large portion of the gags uh, repetitive, but they're also delivered by actors who are simply phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a, there's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I. What are our personal ranks? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out of five tablets uh, oh man I'm looking at I'm looking at my scale here I think it's I think it's bad I'm gonna I'm gonna nah, I'll do it too hey, you have it's a scale let me see your scale yeah can I let me, let me, yeah I stole it from maybe my I'll friend be influenced. Uh, I stole it from my friend Daniel it's uh. a good scale yeah he hosts the Talking oh, Tom podcast. Oh, yeah. Podcasts. I'm perfect, You can also yeah. find on... I'm perfect everything. on what I think, then. Yeah. I'm going to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks movies that go through, watch his whole filmography. It's a good podcast. Shout them out. Yeah. yeah. Tell, them to, tell them to hit us up again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say two out of five. It's... Disappointing. Disappointing. It's not as good as it could have been. Mine's a 1.5. Yeah. That shit's weak. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I it, this gets a two point. This gets a two out of five because the only really redeeming aspect of it is that this is Robin Williams' last hurrah. And is that really redeeming? It's kind of just sad. Yeah. For me, a movie will get a one just if it plays correctly in my my DVD player. So <laughs> like if it doesn't like stop playing all of a sudden, that's pretty much a guarantee to get a one star. Sure. Uh, this was this was this. I could say, it does have its moments. It does no, have it okay doesn't. moments. It doesn't. But it doesn't have anything substantial. Um, where where we, do we rank the series? Yeah. Uh, two, one, three. One, two, three. Oh. Two, one, three. Two and one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I'm the only one that liked one more than two. Yeah. 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 You guys suck. I give, the, I give the overall. I think I give the overall series if we were to rank that like a three and a half. Like there's, it's a fun. I, 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 it's a fun enough series of films. It's good family films, but it's not anything really special. Yeah. All right, let's pick the next series, dudes. Oh right. yeah. Okay. Um. So spin the wheel. we're up to 170 movies. I don't remember where we were last time. We got 170 on there now. Um. We each get a veto. Um. So yeah. Okay, so uh, this is an abrupt like uh, ah, it just happened in the middle of the show because we had a bit of an audio problem. I'm like eagle eyeing my Adobe right now. <laughs> we had a little technical difficulty playing our uh, game where we uh, figure out what we're going to do next. So instead of lying to you and pretending to do it all again because we know we can't recreate the magic of, <laughs> of truly discovering our next 
movie. It we're was just great, gonna, though. Yeah, it, it was, was really funny. I, I'll tell you what. Wish you could have been there. We can tell you the options that we passed up on. If we can do that, yeah. we passed um, up on the Amazing Spider-Man yes. series. That uh, was Garrett used his was veto, veto on that. Bowtie Big Garrett. We passed up on the Bring It On series. That was vetoed by Andrew Nichols. <laughs> and then we landed yeah, said on this magical one. What is it, Josh? John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very excited about. We this. are really? John Wick, starring Keanu Reeves. John Wick Three is about is out now. Um, <laughs> brand new movie. We love it when we can do movies that are new because that's just fun. It's fun yeah. to do a well, franchise that's coming out. And off mic, we were talking. I had a conversation with a friend uh, the other day, telling me that it was a great franchise and that I need to see it. Um, we off mic were talking about how we hadn't seen it, but we want to. So it just really worked out. It, it worked out well. It was very perfect. Had we not gone with that, though, we could have ended up on The Hangover or Shrek. So we would have been happy no matter what. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. Uh, sorry that... It, yeah, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry that we, you missed out on all the fun we had. Because it was a lot of fun. Yep. We yeah, you should have heard Gary, You should have heard Andrew's reaction to bring it on. Oh, my gosh. He yelled so loud. <laughs> I dove out the window. Um, I still hurt. <laughs> so we'll be back next week with John Week 1. You can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to us and tell your friends to listen to us and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Music, yada yada, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, and please also find us on Patreon. Uh, David, explain that a little bit. So yeah, you go to patreon.com slash so many sequels and you'll find us there. We've got a couple of tiers that you can uh, join in at. We have the $1 tier where you can uh, leave us a comment. We'll send you a very warm thank you and uh, we will uh, answer your questions, your comments about the movies on the show uh we'll give you a heads up about which series we're about to do so that you can if you want to watch along and send your comments your critiques your hot takes whatever you want and then we have the five dollar tier where you can suggest a movie and we've been working on how to do that and what i think we'll do is we'll take your movie we'll put it in the wheel in the hopper put a note that says patreon yeah and then when whatever we spin in there that one will be included in so we'll have like so anything we veto the the further down we get the more likely we are to get to your movie so uh, yeah, so anyway, go there. Any amount helps. You don't have to give one of those specific tiers. You can give however much you want. And if you can't, if it's just not your thing, please just share it with somebody um, and help us spread word about the show. It helps us make the improve the quality of the podcast and uh, I don't know, it just helps, uh, helps make the show better. We need to post pictures of, of Andrew making a sad face holding out his hat. It's like, please, sir. Just a nickel. <laughs> a nickel will do. <laughs> you gotta Anything. remember, his, his time frame of mind... The nickel was like with inflation, like seventy five dollars. Oh yeah, seventy five dollars. Yeah, Garrett. back in the day, in nickels. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, David had enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> this bit has overstayed its welcome. Much like a lot of the bits in, in Night to the Museum Three. There we go. <laughs> okay, I almost like this new one more than what we really did. All right, find us on all those places. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, stay tuned next week for John Wick. Until next time. Robin Williams, may flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. <laughs>